Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. And today we're going to talk about Governor Gavin Newsom's big decision. Who to appoint to the U.S. Senate to replace Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. It's a huge opportunity as the person could likely spend decades in the Senate, as long as California remains dominated by Democratic voters, that is. And because of that, Newsom is being lobbied by every constituency in the Democratic Party. Some want him to choose the first Latinx person to represent California in the Senate. Others want him to choose a black woman to replace Harris, who is the only black woman in the Senate right now, which will only have three women of color in it after she leaves. Breaking it all down for us is my colleague, Alexi Kossef, who covers Newsom from the Chronicle's Sacramento Bureau. And now, here's my conversation with Alexi. Alexi Kossef, welcome back to It's All Political from my home in Oakland to yours in Sacramento. You are in, uh, in SAC right now, correct? Yes, yes. I am uh, eagerly awaiting to find out who the governor appoints to Kamala Harris's seat. Not that, not that it makes a difference being in Sacramento when he's quarantined at his home, but that's that's right. He's he's on lockdown right now himself. So he knew some. This is a big opportunity. The chance to to name someone to replace uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, Vice President Elect Kamala Harris to the Senate. And but it is also an opportunity that is rife with political danger because no matter who he picks, he'll be ticking off another part of his constituency. And how is he? He's described this as. Uh, it, it, it's this not a particularly fun thing for him, correct? He has, but it's hard to know how you know how serious he's being when he says that. Since uh, since Kamala Harris was selected in August as the vice presidential candidate for Joe Biden, you know the speculation has been rampant. You know, people didn't even wait for her for for them to win to to start this discussion. So he's probably got to be sick of being asked about it by now. And sometimes he jokes about it. You know, once he when he was out voting at the NBA arena in Sacramento, he made some jokes about appointing one of the Kings players, yeah, uh, Harrison Barnes, whose, <laughs> whose nickname is coincidentally the center when he played for the Warriors. But sometimes he, um, you know, sometimes he's a little more. Uh, thoughtful about it and and he will acknowledge that he's getting a lot of people you know texting him calling him lobbying him you know coming up to him at the grocery store who knows but uh you know trying to trying to make their views heard because this is is a you know historic moment i mean this is a seat that this person he appoints could potentially hold for decades as you know, Diane Feinstein has, as Barbara Boxer did um, before Kamala Harris won that seat. Um, so it's a big decision. It's a very big decision. So let's uh, let's talk about some of the competing forces that uh, Newsom is trying to negotiate here. 
Uh, now, on one hand, a Latinx person has never served as senator in California. That's despite uh, one third of the California electorate being uh, Latinx, uh, as are 40 percent of our state's residents. Um, and uh, so let's talk about some of the the top contenders here. I, I, I dare say that the leader in the clubhouse would be Secretary of State Alex Padilla. The, the other day, the California, or I'm sorry, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus endorsed him. Who else is who else is uh, who are some of the other Latino and Latinas who might be uh, Newsom's choice? Well, you're certainly right that there's a there's a lot of you know pressure here for him to pick a Latino to for the seat um, because uh, you know this is you know the Latino community in California is now the largest ethnic group in the state and never having had any kind of representation at the highest level, people really feel like it's time. Uh, so, uh, certainly Alex Padilla, the secretary of state is a top candidate. He, uh, in addition to obviously having a pretty strong pedigree, um, you know, politically, he and Newsom are very close. Uh, Newsom, uh, if you know, people may forget, but Newsom ran for governor once before in 2009, briefly, uh, before <laughs> yes, dropping I think he'd out. Like to forget that. Yes, <laughs> before yeah. dropping out because Jerry Brown kind of jumped in there and sucked up all the energy. But Alex Padilla was actually the chair of Newsom's campaign all the way back then. You know, they have a long-standing relationship going back. Uh, you know, Padilla worked for um, for Diane Feinstein at the very start of his political career. That was his very first job in politics. So they've been in the same circles a long time, and it just makes a lot of logical sense for him to tap, you know, this, this, uh, politician who's risen to the highest levels of, of the state. He's, uh, you know, overseen a very successful expansion of voting rights in California. Uh, and you know, it would be historic. And as people repeatedly like to point out, Gavin Newsom loves to make history with his appointments mm. to various positions. So um, a couple other contenders worth keeping an eye on, though, though maybe not quite as, um, you know, not quite as likely are Attorney General Javier Becerra, who's made a big name for himself uh, suing the Trump administration over the last four years, more than 100 times. And he's a veteran of Washington, D.C. He was in uh, the House of Representatives for a dozen terms. Uh, so, you know, it'd be very logical for him to go back. He could jump right into D.C. But I think people kind of regard him as more likely to wind up in the Biden administration. And uh, another name that gets floated is um, a Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia, who's another person sort of in the um, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom political circle. He endorsed both of them fairly early on when they were facing um, Latino uh, competitors in their races. Um, and and that kind of endorsement is not forgotten. You know, that uh, those kinds of close relationships tend to get paid back over time in certain ways. So, you know, he's someone certainly to keep an eye on. If not for the Senate seat, then perhaps, you know, to fill one of these other seats that might become vacant as people get appointed to the Biden administration or, or elsewhere. Yeah. And one of the, of course, if night, if Newsom were to choose one of the statewide office holders, either Becerra or Padilla, he gets the double, as you alluded to, he would get to uh, appoint their successors as well. And so, uh, 
maybe Garcia, who would also be the first LGBTQ mm-hmm. senator from California as as well. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of pressure as as you allude to. There's a lot of pressure from groups that haven't felt represented in the past. LGBTQ people also have, you know, there's never been any openly gay or lesbian or otherwise senator from California and you know they've asked please consider, you know, someone from our community. Um, you know, there's only ever been um three uh Excuse me, Kamala Harris is only the second black woman to ever serve in the U.S. Senate. So people are really putting a lot of pressure on Gavin Newsom to replace her with another black woman. You know, there's. Yeah, I would, let's 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 th- let's jump to that in a minute. I, I want to finish. I would talk about a couple more uh, possible Latino oh, contenders. Okay. One is uh, uh, Hilda Solis. Uh, it was a Biden uh, uh, endorser, early endorser in California, campaign chair former uh, uh, federal labor secretary and former member of Congress. And then I want to ask you about a, uh, a dark horse. What about Kevin DeLeon, <laughs> former top, de- you, you're giggling here, but well, stick with me on this, former top Democrat in the state Senate. He ran for Senate against DiFi and uh, Dianne Feinstein in 2018, got, got crushed, but won the endorsement of the state party. Uh, you know, climate change is a big issue. He's, you know, he was uh, one of the uh, co-authors of the state's, uh, some of its landmark climate change uh, uh, legislation. But he does have, uh, and I've asked him about this, he has a, uh, previously had a beef with Newsom <laughs> going yes. back a few years. But he says that has been cleared up. And in fact, I was speaking to him on the day that he was just recently uh, uh, took his seat on the uh, LA uh, um Board of Supervisors, and he uh, said he got a text from Newsom. So maybe that's, you know, is, that, is Kevin DeLeon in the picture at all? Well, I don't think you can ever count anyone out completely, but if you're asking me whether it's more likely that Kevin DeLeon, who has publicly feuded with Gavin Newsom over their respective political ownership of, you know, uh, gun regulation issues that they both worked on, who once um, took several staff members away from Gavin Newsom when he was lieutenant governor uh, as a sort of political retribution for Gavin Newsom putting an ammunition regulation measure on the ballot. If if he's more likely to be appointed than, say, Alex Padilla, I would tell you probably not, you know? <laughs> I'm I'm glad to hear that they've maybe resolved their differences a little bit, but it it just seems like, you know, when <laughs> putting the dark horse, you know, there. Let's emphasize dark horse for sure. Okay, All right, very good. Um, <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Um, I would never say uh, there wasn't. <laughs> ne- never, never say, never say never. We'll have more of my conversation with Alexi Kossoff after this short break. Okay, uh, as you say, it's also uh, a lot of pressure on Newsom to pick a black woman. And it, it, Harris is the only black woman in the Senate now. There's also uh, uh, there's only 24 women uh, of, uh, in, in the Senate right now. None are black. Only three are women of color. Uh, last month, the California Legislative Black Caucus nominated uh, Congresswoman Karen Bass and Congresswoman Barbara Lee as their favorite candidates for the position. Democracy for America also wants a black woman. Uh, talk a little bit about the pressure on Newsom to pick a black woman. Yeah, I think this this pressure is growing. 
uh, you know, I, I would say initially I, more of the conversation was about how, you know, perhaps it would be time for Newsom to appoint a Latino. But these groups that would like to see a black woman in the Senate have have been very vocal in in recent weeks are, are ramping up the pressure. You know, former San Francisco mayor uh, Willie Brown has gotten in on the action. You know, he's publicly calling on Newsom to appoint a black woman. So as Willie, Willie said in the Chronicle the other day, he wrote, and there won't be any downside for Newsom either if he were to pick a black woman or a woman of color. No one is going to say boo if he appoints a woman of color. But uh, some people are going to be pissed about yeah, that, Yeah, right? I mean, I think it's a hard situation because it's not like people, you know, think that there shouldn't be a black woman. They just may have their own interests that, you know, they find more pressing, like getting a Latino in there, for example, right? So, you know, even though you might make this certain kind of history or, you know, do something very rare by, you know, having only the third black woman ever to serve in the U.S. Senate in there, you know, you're still going to be disappointing some people who feel like their voice has never been represented. Right. And and Mm -hmm. um, this is, you know, this was what makes it really hard. The most, you know, the most um, kind of the the highest ranking Latinos in the state are all men. Uh, And and, you know, there is a lot of pressure to keep up the number of women in the Senate because it is still this rather small minority of the overall body. And, you know, as you point out, even fewer of them are women of color. So, you know, just no matter what, I think he's going to be disappointing some people. He's also feeling heat from uh, uh, top donors. Uh, and of course, politicians always listen to their donors. Uh, they About 150 of them took out a, a full page ad, appeared in the Chronicle and the LA Times, urging him to pick a woman of color. Um, is uh, As you as you said earlier, there's all kinds of other uh, groups uh, lobbying Newsom, uh, top Indian American uh, uh, leaders and, and donors are, are wanting him to uh, pick Rokana. Uh, LGBT uh, leaders uh, want him to pick uh, uh, Senate President Pro Tem Tony Atkins or, or Robert Garcia. Um, one other, there's another important character uh, you know consideration i guess that that newsom has to to think about here and he has to pick someone who's able to raise money and establish a multiracial multi-ethnic base of support so they because they're going to be facing re-election in two years and you know senate race in california what we're talking 20 40 million who who knows uh, depending on your opposition uh back in 1990 the last time a, a California governor had to pick someone was Pete Wilson back in 1990, and he picked a, a state senator, John Seymour, uh, to pick to to re- replace him in the Senate. And uh, Seymour got uh, got crushed by uh, Feinstein two years later. Um, is there any? Do you notice? Is there anyone here who might, uh, of all the people we've discussed, who might have a, a who has the best chance of raising money, and who who might this be a, a consideration of? No, you make a very good point. Unless Newsom wants to appoint a placeholder, you know, someone to just sort of r- fill out the rest of the term so that everyone has a level playing field to run in 2022, and there's no indication that that's his plan, then he needs to pick someone who can win. It'd be very embarrassing, you know, for him to appoint somebody who winds up getting booted out of there two years later. So, 
you know, this is why when people are mentioning names, you do have to sort of consider people who already have a statewide or national profile. That's why someone like Alex Padilla, who's run statewide twice and raised lots of money for his run, you know, for his campaigns for secretary of state is maybe a more logical choice or someone like Karen Bass, who you mentioned, who has quickly ascended in her in her uh, name recognition and and you know her popularity since mm-hmm. she was floated this summer as a potential vice presidential candidate for Joe Biden. So you know, unless he's going to go with you know someone uh, you know more obscure and, and take a risk, you really just have to sort of look at the people whose names are are already out there as as well known and and who have that kind of draw to you know to win so when i when i wrote one of these stories uh, a couple months ago about you know who's who would newsom would pick um this is stuff we've talked about this for years you know <laughs> if, if there would be to someone you know if feinstein were to leave office early or whoever newsom would be able to pick the successor and who it would be um some people say well what about adam schiff here's a guy who's national uh, you know, national name recognition. He was the uh, lead on the impeachment of President Trump. Uh, what about Katie Porter? She's, you know, now just won her second term. She has also developed a national following. But both those two folks are white, uh, making their, their chances pretty slim, slim to none. Am I accurate here? Again, I don't want to discount anybody because there's all kinds of considerations you have to make. There certainly are political ones as well, which we haven't even gotten into. Like the, you know, there's a lot of pressure from progressives who are the base of the Democratic Party for him to mm-hmm, pick somebody mm-hmm. who's a progressive, like Katie Porter, like Barbara Lee, like Ro Khanna, who are other names that mm-hmm. you've mentioned as well. So again, it's it's not impossible, but there's reasons why these people wouldn't be selected that, you know, are beyond just the appearance. And uh, some of them, uh, you know, some of them may have a chance to get a spot in the Biden administration instead, which may ease up the pressure a little bit for Gavin Newsom. So when you're thinking about someone like Adam Schiff, who has made a huge name for himself during the impeachment proceedings and in the past couple of years of holding hearings and things like that, you know, he may be in a better position to get tapped, uh, you know, by by President Biden for, you know, a a position in the, you know, intelligence community or things like that. You know, his name is certainly being floated mm. at national levels. So, you know, by by a Democratic administration coming in, there's actually a little bit less pressure on Newsom because he may not be letting down quite as many people as he would otherwise. That said, there's still yeah, going to be a lot of people who have their eye on this this job that aren't going to get it. There is one more uh, possibility that Gavin Newsom uh, could pick. He could pick someone named Gavin Newsom. Yes, he does have the ability to pick himself, as Willie floated in his column the other day. Willie Brown did, uh, but that would be a politically terrible idea, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, for all the reasons we've stated, it would be not just you know, not historic, but also very self-serving. And uh, if there's anything that people are going to like less than another white man representing them in, 
you know, Senate, it's probably a white man who chose himself. So there's <laughs> probably a lot more downsides than upsides there um, to, to choosing himself. And, 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 you know, frankly, I, while he may be tired of dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. I don't, I don't think running away to Washington DC is, is going to be any better for his future political prospects than staying <laughs> here and trying to solve that problem. But it's, yes, well, it's certainly something that he could do. So again, if you want something that's an even longer odds than Kevin DeLeon, <laughs> bet on Gavin Newsom picking himself. Wow. Okay. If you're ranking him that way. All right. Um, so how how important is it is uh, Newsom is 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 having a one of the rougher patches of his uh, of his term uh, in the last couple of weeks? No thanks to you and your excellent scoop of of uh, a couple of weeks ago of Newsom's uh, meal at the French Laundry. Um, that and he, you know he's he's just not having a good time right now. How important is it to him to nail this pick right now? You know. It's it's hard to say when the coronavirus cases are surging as badly as they are at the moment that this is any more important than nailing that issue. Obviously, yeah. this is important, but, you know, unfortunately for him, a lot of the dim, you know, a lot of the shine and excitement on on this pick has probably dimmed over the last few weeks because he needs to deal with really serious state issues. So, you know, it's just, there's just not going to be probably the kind of pomp and circumstance around this that there might otherwise be. You know, this should be a big, exciting thing during a slow time of year for him to sort of come out before the holidays and say, here's my pick. Isn't it exciting? And instead, it's probably going to be something he needs to squeeze in as he's dealing with, you know, hospitals filling up and California hitting new record coronavirus cases. So, um, you know, in a way, perhaps that could be a good thing if he doesn't nail it. There's, you know, it's it's less crucial than it was before. But I think the political bounce you're going to see either direction is certainly diminished when when there's just so much other pressing stuff he has to deal with. Uh, Alexi, is there anything else we should know about Newsom's pick? You you alluded to that, you know, we we know Newsom for for over decades now. We watched him he loves to make history. You you said that he from the time that he uh, sanctioned same-sex marriages in San Francisco, just a couple of months into his first term as mayor here. Uh, what else should we know about this pick? What goes into it, and and when it might come? Well, I think one thing that's sort of interesting to keep in mind is that um, the Schwarzenegger Institute at USC did a poll a couple of weeks back asking people how important it was to them that he pick a Latino, that he pick an LGBT person, that he make history with his pick. And for the vast majority of people, it wasn't important. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be important for Newsom. And it doesn't mean it's not going to be important for Democratic Party activists, for donors, and for the people that Newsom really needs to listen to in order to raise money and get reelected in, in 2022. So, you know, I, there may be some grumbling from folks who are wondering why we're talking so much about race and gender. You know, why can't we just talk about their qualifications 
And in reality, there's just a lot of symbolism to this that's important for a lot of people that that are, you know, are important to Newsom. Uh, but otherwise, I would say keep an eye out for the next couple of weeks um, that the announcement could come before the holidays. Uh, but there's no guarantee Kamala Harris doesn't have to resign her seat until January when she's inaugurated as the vice president. And so it could come much later. But what I've been hearing is is probably the next couple of weeks. All right. Lexi, thanks so much, man, for being on. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Alexi Kossef for joining me today. I'd like to thank the king, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. And a shout out to our fabulous theme music, which is Cattle Call, written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crowsong. And remember, no matter who Newsom picks to replace Kamala Harris, it's all political. <laughs>